Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was ABBA and SOS. And uh, I've got the great pleasure to welcome Mike Watson today uh, to cover his his brilliant career over the past 50 years. Mike's uh, probably most uh, well-known, certainly here in the UK, on bass with ABBA on on many of their greatest tracks. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Jason, and hello, all the people listening. Hello. (laughs) Great stuff. And... um, it's particularly uh, good to talk to you because, um, especially uh, to play SOS first of all, because I've previously spoken to Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols, who was a bassist and songwriter for them, and, and he's previously told me how SOS influenced um, Pretty Vacant, one of his songs. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. That sounds very, very interesting. Yeah, I know that a lot of hard rock metal bands listen to Abba as well. 
uh, which is quite unusual. But they, were, when they were on tour, I've heard that they listened to Amber. So it, it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Are you able to kind of uh, talk a little bit about playing bass in that particular uh, track and, and, and your memories of recording that song? That was a very pivotal song in Abba's uh, history. Well, you know, it's a long time ago, so I don't really yeah. remember all the sessions, but that that's, yes. SOS is one of my own favourite songs. And uh, I was doing a lot of slides uh, on the bass uh, and it, it really goes in two different tempos on the verse and the, and the chorus. Uh, my rec- recollection was w- what we usually did with ABBA, we'd start at 10 o'clock in the morning, set up, and uh, we'd, we'd try, Benny would sit at the piano, Jörn would sit with an acoustic guitar, and they'd, they'd play like what they'd, the song, it wasn't finished at all, and we we had free hands to do whatever we wanted on these tracks, and we'd, uh, we'd probably play all day or trying different things out. Uh, that's what all the, all the other songs were. They, they weren't like they put a music sheet in front of you and you played it. Um, you, you went on from they play something and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd make something up. And so it's just one of my favourite bass lines. I like that one. And I don't know if people will kind of hear a little bit of an, an inflection in your voice, but you're actually originally from Sheffield in, uh, here in uh, Yorkshire. That's right. Born in uh, Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, am I right that you originally came over to Sweden uh, as part of one of your early bands? Yeah, we were. Uh, it was called the High Grade, and we were out of London. Uh, we'd been in Germany playing uh, for the um, on the American bases, and then uh, we had a, a singer with us there called Susie from Holland, and uh, she came to Sweden and made some records of the hits in uh, Sweden and uh, Germany. And uh, she brought us over uh, in 1964 to Sweden. And that's how I got here. <laughs> One of the bands that, that you're known for playing with was the, the Lee Kings, and they, they were a Swedish band? They were a Swedish band. Uh, the high grade split up, two of us stayed, and two went back to England. A little note on the, on the, the high grades. The, the, the drummer was Phil Wayman, who, who became the producer oh. for Sweet. Yeah, as I'm wow, sure you yes. recognize the name, uh, Basic Rollers and lots and lots of other hits. And uh, the guitar player, he was with Black Widow, which was um, a kind of cult metal band. When they left, I was in Sweden and uh, I got into this band called The Leakings and we had some, some, some hits with. And this coming from the ground, we, we toured with Hollis uh, in the summer in the folk parks. And uh, they came back in the autumn with a, a song for us, and it was Graham Nash and Alan, Alan Clark, and it was a, the number. The, the song was called "Coming from the Ground." Did you record "Coming from the Ground" and um, I think possibly some other material over in the UK with them? Then did you come come back over? No, that was recorded in in uh, Stockholm. They came over. Ah to us in Stockholm, and we recorded only that number with them. Yeah, so that was the only track that you recorded with uh, Graham and Alan? Yeah, Coming From the Ground. And and that was written by them? That was written by them, yeah. They were great songwriters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was that track representative of your material at the the time, or was it a bit of a departure? Uh, A little bit of a departure from, uh, from what we usually did. Because uh, we were writing our own songs as well on the LP uh, at that time, but it was a bit different. It was lots of harmonies, mm-hmm. and uh, they they sung on that on the backing harmonies as well. 
with their high voices. <laughs> really good. mentioned Susie earlier in terms of playing a, a pivotal role in relation to you being in, in, in Sweden but um, you actually re- recorded with her as, as a duo and there's a track that I'd like to play Be My Baby. Yeah that w- well Susie and I were married for a few years and uh, after the leaking split up then we had this Susie and Mike and we we toured in the folk parks and we did a, a few singles mm. and that was uh, Be My Baby was an old Ronette's uh, number. Mm back from the, in the 60s. <laughs> I'm assuming you got to know many of the other bands on the, the Swedish scene. Did you have any contact with uh, the Hep Stars or the Hootenanny Singers? Yeah, all those bands because we all toured around Sweden in the, in the folk parks in the summer and the, in the winter too. And uh, we met them on tour, I partied with them. Uh, that was my first encounter with uh, with Benny, was with the Hep Stars. And also, uh, you know, Swenny and Lotta. Swenny was the singer with the Hep Stars. Yes. He got married to Lotta. And uh, in 1965, my, my second year in, in Sweden, I was accompanying a Swedish singer. And he had three colored girls from from Detroit. And Lotta was one of them. Charlotte was her name. Wow. So, and she stayed in and uh, in Sweden and married Swenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
entwined relationships all over. <laughs> Had you split up from the Lee Kings when you were part of the, the Susie and Mike duo or the, the happening at the same time? Um, well, the Lee Kings split up in 1967-68 and then, then we did the Susie and Mike uh, singles and toured with uh, 68, the whole of 68 uh, and then uh, a little bit in on 69. How did you uh, get involved with session work? Because um, you know, prior to ABBA, you, you did record um, some material with uh, Frida, like, uh, and again, you'll have to correct my pronunciation, uh, Min Igan Stad, mm-hmm. which was with, was Benny, Benny on that as well? Yeah, Joan and Benny became producers around 1979. They were producing other artists for Polar Records. And uh, I got into session uh, uh, as a session musician in 1969. And that was a funny story as well, if you would like to hear it. Please, please. Uh, Wilson Pickett was uh, going to play at the concert house in Stockholm. And I didn't have any money. So I ended up backstage and said, oh, I'm, uh, I'm here from Sonnet, who was the, the record company. And they let me in. And when I got up backstage, I met somebody from Son and he said, oh, I'm great that you're here because they've lost their bass player in Paris. Can you play with him? I said, well, yeah, well, okay, yeah, sure. 
Sure. And there was another another band on before, a support band. So I borrowed his bass, and uh, I played with Wilson Pickett that night. And uh, fortunately, there was a, a, a band leader who had all, an arranger that was doing all the sessions, and he saw me there. And, and I started in his band that summer, and that's how I got into uh, into being a, a session musician. It was just I was at the right place at the right time. <laughs> that's a funny story. Wow! So it's just that that moment in time possibly changed your life. Yeah, definitely, definitely it did. It did because after that I I started with that band, and the next day people were phoning for me to come and do sessions, and, and as I worked as a session musician all through. Yeah, the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. And Bjorn and Benny, they were producers and we did, <clears throat> and we were, I was recording with them, uh, with Fried, it was this one, this song, My Hometown, which is in English, in Ingerstad. Featured on that particular recording, there's a number of people, including yourself, who uh, who were part of the ABBA band, like, like uh, Roger Palm. Yeah, Roger, yes, he did a lot of work with ABBA. And a lot of set. He was a session musician too. Jag står en stund på kvällen i mitt fönster och ser ut på alla glada ljus. Jag vaknar upp på morgnarna och hör trafiken busa utanför mitt hus. På eftermiddagen går jag runt. Stund i parken och hör barnens klatt och stöj Och hemma på vår barnbord ligger grannens katt Och sover nu på sommarnål Det här är min egen stad Det hit jag hör Och jag hör på alla ljud I en härlig Jag ser en gammal sliten film på skivan på en bio, två, tre gator ner. Jag vandrar gatan långsamt fram från diskoteket, hörs det saken om melodi. Jag ser på allt jag drömmer om i fönstren till affärerna jag går förbi. Det här är min egen stad.
many of the pieces started to come in place in, in terms of uh, what be, would become of ABBA. It's incredible to think that you were on the very first recording that people recognise now as ABBA. Yes, uh, People Need Love it was the first LP they made together when they weren't really called ABBA, were they? No. It was Bjorn Bentley and Magneto Frieda before they took the name ABBA. And uh, I, re- I remember quite a, a few of those recordings and uh, listening to when they, uh, to make a record, they, they get it down on a on a lack. And I, I was listening with uh, Tretov, who was the engineer. We were listening to it and we thought, this is really good. This is really different, really good. Mm-hmm. Nina Ballerina was one of the songs on there. We really liked that one. The vocals at the time yeah. of four were, were singing. Yeah. Bjorn was a good singer. He did a lot of the singing from the Hootenanny singers, you know, the folk band he was with before. So he, he was good, good on harmonies. And at the time, was, was this seen as um, more of a Bjorn and Benny project, really? Yeah, I think so. It was like a, a tryout. Yes. And then they realised how good the... the, the the girls were singing together, really unique uh, voices. Yeah. Fantastic. People need hope, people need loving, people need trust from a fellow man. People need love to make a good living, people need faith in a helping hand. Man has always wanted a woman by his side to keep him
And on those sessions, there's paths that the sort of ABBA didn't quite follow. Uh, tracks like Disillusion, which is a bit more of a, a sort of sparser ballad that Agnetta originally wrote the music for. Yeah, she, she wrote a lot of her own songs and she was a star before ABBA and had a, a few hits in in, uh, in Sweden before. So she she wrote her own numbers and, and did her own LPs. And at the time, in those early days, was it just uh, another session and you were just recording them quickly? No, we could, uh, in in those days, uh, like Bjorn and Benny, would, we would start at 10 o'clock in the morning and they, they, they just had a rough idea of what they wanted to do and, and, and we just went on from there. We could play all day uh, with one number, ah. sometimes two days before before they got the bass and the drums right and then they were all the recorded over everything again. Yes. We never saw the girls in the studio. Oh, okay. So you, you made the backing track. Yeah, we made the backing track and uh, we'd play all day uh, until they got the bass and the drums right and then they'd like go on from there. Did you know what the, the lyrics were like in terms of underpinning the melody or was it just a pure backing? Uh, Bjorn would sit sit and uh, sing maybe not the right lyrics. It, it wasn't finished yet, you know, but we had some kind of something to go on.
you didn't play that much uh, with Aberth in the following year, but you were. Am I right that you were on the actual cover of the Waterloo album? Yeah, well, that's another funny story, isn't it? <laughs> they, they phoned me one morning and said, oh, tomorrow we're going to do a, a photo session for our new album, and we need a little guy to stand in the background as Napoleon. Can, can you do it? I said, sure, I'm free to tomorrow. So we went out to this castle, and they did uh, took photos all day, and then one of the photos became the album cover for Waterloo. That's me with my back to the camera in the background <laughs> there's two shots isn't there there's one with the the band you're in the back and then there's one just of you on the back cover of the album yeah that's right that was my only photo uh, modeling career <laughs> just the one time <laughs> <laughs> and you're also known as little mike yeah i'm known as little mike yeah that was uh, like in germany uh when i sung with the, the, this show i I was, uh, I'm not very tall, you know, so they call me Little Mike after my, one of my idols was uh, Little Richard. Ah, yes. So I was Little Mike. <laughs> Our next track is uh, Bang a Boomerang, but the, um, I'm going to play the uh, Sven and Lotta version, um, but, because um, we, we have, we have mentioned uh, Sven and Lotta previously before, the same backing track was used by ABBA? That's right. Uh, they wrote this song for, Sweeney and Lotta, I think it was in the Eurovision Song Contest Harry, in Sweden, and uh, they thought, well, this is a good song, we'll do it as well, and it's the, it's the same uh, it's the same backing uh, track, which was recorded for them for Sweeney and Lotta. You played also with many of the other polar artists in in terms of sessions. Yes, there was another artist called Ted Yedderson who had uh, three or four top albums. Uh, and a very popular guy I toured with him as well, uh, Ted Yardestad. <clears throat> Björn and Benny produced all his albums. Were the sessions similar even though they were for different artists? Yeah, it was very, very similar. There was uh, very seldom there was any sheet music uh, like, um, you know, just uh, one, two, three, four, here we go and everybody plays because they've all got the music in front of them. There were sessions where we... we we uh, played around as we got something they wanted.
track is i do i do i do i do i do i think i've got the number yeah the amount of i do's <laughs> well that that was another song um was like uh when benny played it and uh Bjorn sang i remember that oh, oh this this sounds like a german schlager yeah you know with that kind of thing so i started playing a bass line at about 11 o'clock and then and then said oh we'll try something else and then uh after lunch, we were still on the song and uh, we'd try something else, try something else. About four o'clock, I started playing the same bass line as, as I did at 11 o'clock and said, oh, that's how we want to do it. <laughs> Which is, think, usually when you hear something, it, you, you just start playing something that you, you think would suit the song. Yeah. And that was, that was really what it was. In terms of that session in particular, there was, um, yeah. there was uh, as well as Benny and Bjorn, um, so we, we've mentioned Roger Palmer was, is it Lassie? Lassie Villanda, yeah, who I've done a, a lot of recording with and touring with over the years. Mm. You, they, they were on that session too. Great guitar player.
now we get to one of the to many people's uh, favourite ABBA tracks, "Mamma Mia." Have you got any memories about recording uh, that that particular song? No particular memories of where it was recorded. Uh, it was probably recorded at the Polar Studios when they built their own studio. And uh, I've got no real memory of that session at all. What were the circumstances when you, you, you played with the ABBA band? Because there were, there were other session uh, musicians. And Rutger Gunnarsson, who, who played uh, also played many of the bass and ABBA tracks, what were, what were the circumstances when different people played with uh, Benny and Bjorn? Well, probably, you know, they'd, they'd phone if you already had... Was, um... Or at a session or a touring somewhere, then you couldn't do it. Then it would, they would go on to the next bass player. Uh, Rookie Gunners was the main bass player, did most tracks for ABBA and did all the, all the touring, the big tours with them. Mm. And then there was maybe some other guys that did like one session with them, one song, or, mm. because we were probably on doing some other sessions and we weren't free. Otherwise, they, they asked me to do the the first tour and and uh, I was on a different tour so I couldn't do it and then Rutgy got all the tours with them. Mainly about who's available yeah. at a certain time. Yeah, yeah. Because we were pretty, uh, you know, engaged in different tours and different bands and all of this. It was a lot of work in those days. <laughs> Me now. 
if it wasn't for the Knights, originally from uh, Vulevu, which is more of that sort of disco feel. Um, yeah. Did that influence your playing? Uh, probably. Now, this was a funny thing because I, I worked with different tribute bands and uh, I was in the doing a, a tour in the States about uh, four or five years ago. And they said, we're going to do these songs and uh, if it wasn't for the Knights, came up and I listened to it at home I thought I, I recognise that song because <laughs> it's not usually one of the songs that we all these tribute bands play they all do Mamma Mia and uh, Does Your Mother Know Gimme Gimme and they were, I think they a nice bass playing there and I think shit it was me <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was it wasn't for the nights it was a nice bass line on that Do you find it hard remembering which particular songs you play because I know more recently the sessions have been chronicled in, in more detail but I'm assuming records weren't always around and you're relying on memory Yeah I know that the, the book that came out wasn't really uh, 100% uh, right Yes because some of the songs no other people were on it was my name there and, and vice mm. versa some it, it wasn't really perfect, uh, but it gives you a good uh, sight oversight of what 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 uh, who was on what. And in those days, that the bass certainly by the late seventies, the bass was even more prominent than it was in the early days. With with ABBA or with ABBA, yeah, yeah. Well, they they the seventies was the disco, so they they did disco songs like uh, as good as new and. Uh, Anyway, they were into 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 disco as well. Yeah.
and from that same era is Angel Eyes, which I think was a particularly uh, favourite track here of ABBA's here in the the UK. How much um, involvement or control, if you want to use that word, did Benny and Bjorn have in the studio? Were they telling you exactly what the bass was, or how much freedom was there? We were completely free to do what uh, what we could come up with. Uh, and, and actually, they wanted something that was new for every song, so it wasn't a bass line or a guitar jet thing from another song. They wanted every song it had to be different. And if you listen to all of, all the album songs, they're very different. Yeah, uh, it's from music hall to rock and roll, you know, and disco. They're very different every song. So every time you try to do something new, except from I do, I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Where Angel Eyes, they were probably as usual. Benny would play the song, Jan sung it a little bit, and they didn't really have any structure to the song. That's how they wanted to do it. You know, you have to have an intro and outro and something in the middle. And we we, we play all day, uh, sometimes two days before we got it right. Angel Eyes is a nice, nice song. I like that one. I'm getting the sense that it was very much a sort of band effort, and I understand as well that. Agneta and Frida also had a, a role, you know, when they came to do the vocals. So it's very much a collaborative process. Yeah, I think Bjorn and, and Benny knew what they wanted from the girls, so they had that the background was ready for them to to sing on. Uh, I don't know how much of uh, the harmonies uh, Agneta and, and Frida contributed. I think Bjorn was very good on uh, on that part, yeah. doing harmonies and the. Of course, their, their voices are unique, really, really good, you know.
does seem quite remarkable in terms of the the songs that you played on. Quite a high proportion of the ABBA songs that you played on were actually singles, um, as opposed to album tracks. It seems, and, and one of those is "Does Your Mother Know?" Do you do you feel do you feel that that that, that you seem to have a quite a high uh, number of uh, hit records that you played on, as opposed to album tracks? Oh, I don't know. I must have a, I must have a good luck with me being somehow. So when it comes to Does Your Mother Know, that was also one of those things that uh, we were playing around with all day, and I, I started playing that dum 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 And, uh, oh, we want to do that. And uh, we went on from there. So we contributed a lot to uh, to the songs. Uh, in the set, same with Lassa Valanda and Yannick Raffa, they they come came up with all these lines that they were doing yes. themselves. Uh, it, it was all it wasn't you know play like this, play like this. We we played around, and that's why they probably why they took us, uh, Rutger and myself, because we were uh, and the guitar players because they, we we could we could come up with things. And did you bring your own bass to the sessions? And um, and if so, what was that? It's the same bass I'm using today. <laughs> it's, an, it's a Fender Jazz bass from 1966, which I bought in 1970, secondhand because I didn't have any money in those days either. <laughs> so it's quite a quite a remarkable bass guitar playing on you know, so much wonderful music. Yeah, and I, it's the same bass I use now when I uh, touring with all the with uh, three or four tribute ABBA tribute bands. Yes. Uh, three from Sweden here and in the States and uh, we're playing all over the world and I, that's the only bass I use. You seem to be have uh, been playing um, on quite a number of uh, tracks in, in 1979. Was it, was, was it that uh, Rutger just wasn't around? It, it could be that. He, uh, I know Rutger did a lot of sessions as an arranger as well. He did the string arrangements for ABBA as well and a lot of arrangements for other Swedish bands. So he probably was uh, doing other sessions, and that's why I was on those uh, those sessions in '79. Uh, yeah.
one of their key tracks from that era was Gimme 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 and Man After Midnight but that's for me that's quite an interesting one in that there's um there's kind of a synth bass as well and was that Benny? That's Benny playing the synth uh, bass yeah well the things on Gimme 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 it was Ola Brunkert and uh, Rutger did the first session and they brought in I think uh, Roger and myself to, to overtrack it and put a new bass and drums on. I don't know why. Probably Rutger and was um, mm. an older, was some engaged somewhere else, but we did the, 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 that track. The bass on that with the synth is very interesting because you've got kind of a dual bass, but you're not necessarily mirroring each other, that you, you're playing independent parts. Yeah. Well, probably Benny always sat with the piano when we did these sessions because uh, it probably put the... Uh, the, the synth uh, bass on later on copying uh, the same as my bass line. Oh, okay. So he heard your bass and then decided what to layer on yeah. afterwards. Yeah, because he only sat at the piano when I was there. All, all that was done later. Right. So you had kind of a, a basic backing track and then they'd work on that after. Yeah, as long as the, the bass and drums was what they wanted, then would, they would go on from there, you know, recording the over-tracking with the guitars and all the other instruments that came on. And, the, and of course, the, the girls came in and did their parts.
of the your, the most famous bass parts that you played was the winner takes it all. For me, that would seem quite challenging to play because it's almost a French style ballad, but um, the bass lifts the song at, at times as well, but very um, sympathetically. I remember that session actually, and last last of Alanda was on that session as well. I like it's one of my favourites actually. Really, I remember uh, that session, uh, and it was a time. I think the lyrics Bjorn already had the lyrics ready because it was a time when they were breaking up, and the winner takes it all is a fantastic story. Uh, and I remember playing that one. It's one of my favourites, really. And as usual, we just went on from from the beginning. With Benny at the piano, Bjorn singing, and we went on from there and, uh, and made that song. And uh, I, I like that bass line as well. One of my one of my favourites. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. And as you said, there was um, personal difficulties, to say the least, within the band. Yeah. Did you ever get a sense of that, or were you kind of away from that? Did you have much contact with the girls? Well, the only time they came in the studio was just to maybe Agneta come would come you know, into the studio for, for, for half an hour, listen to something and talk to Bjorn and she was away again. So we, we never really saw the girls. Uh, we never we never recorded at the same time, ever. Uh, I, I suppose Bjorn and Benny knew exactly where they, their vocals could go, how high they could go and what what, what they could do. So then we, we never had to change the, the, the key of the, the song later on because they would they knew exactly how what they what the girls could do. History. I played all my cards, and that's what you've done too. Nothing more to say, no more race to play. The winner takes it all, the loser standing small beside the victory.
We have a yet another hit record of, of Abba's that you played on Super Trooper. Did you ever get a, a feel for when you were playing this? I can tell this is going to be a hit record. Or was, could you ever tell if you were onto something good? Uh, not really, because we never heard the finished uh, product. You know, we just what we heard was uh, just the bass and drums and a little piano and a little bit of guitar. There's, there's no real structure to the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never heard the the, the final tra- track until we heard it yeah. on the on the LP, and that's another funny story. Um, when I was in London doing Top of the Pops, Ola uh, and Yarm, the the drummer, we went to Ronnie Scott to listen to Al Giro, and uh, he had a trio with him, and I was we sat up front, and they had a great bass player, and he did this line, which I later copied on Super Trooper. <laughs> I stole that one. <laughs> he was doing a lot of that, and I thought, oh, that was good. I'm going to try that, you know. And, and I used it on Super Trooper on the, on the chorus. That's where I got that from. And then, and then the, the, as usual, Benny did the, the, the synthesizer uh, bass line over, yeah, on that one. And the, the bass, for me, on that is, is very much part of the hook. Yeah, yeah together with the... With the with the mood bass, I guess it was uh, really nice. Super trooper beams are gonna blind me, but I won't feel blue. 
ABBA have been working for about eight and nine years. Um, did uh, Benny and Bjorn get more confident in the studio or was were things very similar as they, they'd always have been? I think they knew what they were doing right from the beginning because even before ABBA they, they were producing and and both had been in the studios from the from the 60s uh, with, with the different bands and they were writing for their bands. Uh, Benny wrote songs for the Hep Stars. So, so they, they were very confident in what they were doing. They knew what they wanted yes. or, when, or when they heard it because uh, Benny doesn't read music. Uh, you know, he can't write music as a music. He's uh, a fantastic musician. <laughs> he didn't even know sometimes which key he was in, but... <laughs> Really, really great musician. Yeah, so no, no sheet music or anything like that. We went just no with you guys. Music. No, probably later on when the strings came in, then Rutger or some other arranger would, would would write something for those. But we had, we never had any any music. Yes. What we would do is we would come into the studio. Benny would sit at the piano, play the song, and we'd all sit, you know, with a piece of paper and a pen and just write down a, a few, you know. Uh, this is the chorus, this is the verse, and a few things like that, so we know what key we're in, what chords we're going to play. We we went on from there, building the songs. Mm. Next we have um, the demo medley, which is now called From a Twinkling Star to a Passing Angel, but it's actually a sort of layer of different versions of Like an Angel Passing Through My Room, which is eventually came on the Vistas album, the final ABBA album. And so you were on the some of the early versions of that track or one early version i'm not sure i can't i can't, I can't remember <laughs> i can't remember yeah because i think um rutger played on the final version but you're credited as playing on the, some of the the demo versions Pro- probably you know like sometimes we'd we'd have a session a whole day and the, and and then maybe maybe come back a, a month later and and do the same song and then maybe Rutger was available for that session. And I started on the demo and he did the, the final and vice versa on some of the songs. That particular song, which is just kind of a series of demos which go up to the finished version, is quite interesting because it shows how Benny and Bjorn worked on the track and how it evolved in the studio. How often did a track change significantly as you were recording it? Or did, did many of them land very similar as at the start and as to the finished article? No, we could we could do one song as a tango and then we'd do it as a waltz and then it was different types of uh, versions of it until to, to they got what they wanted at the end of the day or at the end of the second day. Hmm. Uh, so, so there was no structure from the beginning uh, at all. Yes. We just played around. Oh, yeah. Meet 
then after ABBA, obviously very much in demand. And am I right that you carried on doing sessions, but also had much success in your own group as well? Is it Little Mike and the Sweet Soul music band? Yeah, yeah. We, we that was in the early eighties. I was in a, playing in a musical, and uh, we were free on Mondays, and uh, we usually had a party on a Saturday night after the after the, the last uh, show, and uh, we said, "Oh, let's put together." a soul band, you know, like James Brown, uh, Wilson Pickett, and I, I love soul music. Uh, and uh, we did it, and we were only going to do, do, we were just going to do one one gig at this uh, nightclub in Stockholm, Little Mike and the Sweet Soul Music. Uh, and it turned out, you know, uh, we went on from there and did an LP and a lot of touring, a lot of just around Sweden. Uh, and then it was a different band, Stockholm All-Stars, Low budget blues band was a, a blues band that I was in, uh, yes. only doing old blues numbers. And so, of course, you like as a musician, I, I've always been very versatile. I like doing a lot of different things. Yes. From my home site, you can see uh, different bands I've played in, lots of them, and accompanying different artists in all kinds of uh, shows. Am I right that, that in some of those bands you were continued playing with some of the people that were on the Abba sessions? Yeah, a lot with uh, Ola Brunkett, uh, Lasse Valanda, he was in Low Budget Blues Band, uh, he was in the Sweet Soul Music Band, uh, Stockholm All-Stars, uh, we've done a lot of things, and uh, I played with him last week, actually, in the, <laughs> with, with the original band of ABBA, yes. where we have some original uh, members uh, do, do our own uh, ABBA tribute. When was it that the original band was formed um, to, to play ABBA music, how you know how it was in, intended to play? Uh, it's been going on for five or six years now. It was the saxophone player from Volevu, Johan Steengord, that uh, wanted to, we were touring in America with a, with a tribute band, and so we, we could do this ourselves. And he, he, he put together this original band, and we've We've been doing um, <clears throat> mostly in Sweden at the moment uh, with the original band. And uh, the thing about Abra is that everybody, the aud- all the audiences, they, they know all the lyrics and they sing along and it's, uh, it's, it's really great to, to do it. Yeah, how does it feel that you played a key role in playing and shaping on tracks that will be with us forever? <laughs> it's quite a thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's fantastic considering a little guy from from Sheffield <laughs> being like uh, with ABBA is like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones uh, yes. you know they're going to be there forever so it's uh, it's fantastic uh, very proud to, uh, and fortunate to have been able to do those sessions yes. with, with them and, and still continuing I'm 73 now and uh, still, still, still being able to play and, and the thing is when we did the, we did the last week we were playing with the original band and uh, I said to Lasse and, and Orca the drummer you know we, we said we we never get tired of playing these songs hmm. it's 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 uh, usually you get tired you play the same songs year after year but we we never do because the the songs are very demanding for all the musicians yeah. on the on these shows there's a lot to to uh, to learn. Well, I can do them now because I've been playing them so much, but uh, I, I don't get tired of them. I still love doing it. The original band recorded an album with uh, a symphony orchestra? Yeah, that's right. 
it's five or six years ago now, and uh, we were in China with it, uh, out, out, out of Sweden. Was I think it's the only thing we did with them was in China for a whole month uh, touring. That was about three or four years ago. It would seem fitting uh, to thank you for the music, Mike, if that's not a cliche, uh, and to close with the original band's version with the uh, symphony orchestra. And thank you so much for your time, Mike. It's been an honour and a privilege to talk to you about the music you've made over the past 50 years. Thank you very much, and thank you all you people listening to me. Thank you, Jason. I'm a bit of a bore If I tell a joke You've probably heard it before But I have a talent A wonderful thing Cause everyone listens
thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's been almost 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.